0: This is Rebuild to Win, Voices from the Grassroots, hosted by Youssef Bunchy Sakura, Kwasi Aquamu, and Tawana Honeycomb Peck. Brought to you
1: by the Detroit's Different Podcast Network. I just want to tell the whole
0: world about
2: All right, we live, huh?
0: Live in action, good brother.
2: All right, here from the Detroit is Different studio. Rebuild to win, voices from the grassroots. We done brought the gang back together.
0: Did they say gang gang. <laughs> that,
2: is it. that is it. You know, uh, welcome to uh, this first inaugural episode of uh, Rebuild to win, voices from the grassroots. Uh, allowed Tawana, Honeycomb, Patty, and my brother Yusef Bunchy Shakur to drag me into this. But I'm here, and I'm excited.
0: He was fighting kicking. Oh, man. But I'm here,
2: and I'm excited about it. Uh, the longer uh, it took to get here, you know, the more excited I became. So uh, I look forward to having this uh, dialogue with them, uh, and hopefully in exchange with you all out there in the uh, listening audience and that uh, we can build together,
0: you know. Hey, you said uh, about the back
2: together. What, what's meant by that? Oh, man. You know what that means, but uh, they don't. Right. Uh, but then again, a lot of people do. Uh, people remember the Urban Network uh, over there on Grand River McGraw.
0: In Zone 8?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, y'all know McGraw Avenue, right? Y'all be talking about right. that on right. the internet. Yeah, we was on Grand River and McGraw. Uh, the Urban Network uh, was there for, it was open from, we did it open, 2007, 2008. Uh,
0: Wow, about two thousand, two thousand nine.
2: No, it was before it was uh was it during or before the book it was Urban Gorilla Entertainment. Yeah, it, was it was after the book. It was after the book. It was after the book. Okay, uh so and then it closed in 2012.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we had like four, almost a four or five year run.
2: Yeah, uh yeah. So we you know it was a bookstore, cyber cafe, uh eventually became uh we built out a restaurant uh, we had a number of uh, important community uh, events there. Uh, poetry one,
0: Night. One, I about to say one, that. There was yeah, one notable. Yeah, we had, we had, gorilla, night. We had gorilla, gorilla Night. Yeah. Hosted by the one and only,
2: Honeycomb.
0: Yes, you know. Uh, yes, indeed. So yeah, this
2: is the gang, y'all. Uh It's been a while since we've all been back uh, on the same platform. And, uh, you know, we was doing good things then. we doing good things now. Everybody uh moving in different, similar direction you know, towards liberation, towards a higher level of uh human life for ourselves, each other.
1: Right. So well, who are you?
2: Oh man, I'm quasi a Uh I'm the elder of the group. <laughs> uh you know, uh, but you know I'm the yelder of the group. So
0: yeah, so uh the wild card of the group. <laughs>
2: Wow, we got these definitions, kind of locked down, right? Right. Okay. But uh, yeah, this is a very informal uh, dialogue we want to have. Uh, we want to talk about things that uh, people are not necessarily talking about. We want to talk about, we want to push back. Uh, we definitely want to expand the way we think about a lot of the issues. Uh, we're not trying to come in and be uh, overly dogmatic, doctrinaire, but we definitely want to uh, increase our capacity to think through some of these issues that we confront day to day, uh that we can see beyond today until we see tomorrow, have some vision. And so this conversation is meant to be fruitful. Uh we don't we don't want to be and that's the reason why they had to uh give me uh you know I didn't I didn't want to be another talking head. There's a lot of people out here talking and, and uh, you know not to diminish some of the conversation that's taking place out there. But uh it's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion, and uh, I think that we got to be able to cut through this confusion and try to bring some clarity to the issue that our people can carry. We talk about uh, black agendas, uh, having an agenda, and I think it's important we can't have a, an agenda if we're all over the place, you know. Everybody, you know, I mean, we're more confused now. I think Brother John uh, uh, said this, you know, one of the things he wrote the other day when he was here, you know. Uh, Yes. Uh, You know, he he noted that this is this is one of the most confusing periods for our people ever. Uh, We are more uh, divided ideological, in terms of our uh, connection to the society, to one another. Uh, And we just all over the place. And the thing is, you know, it's okay to have diversity. Uh, However, we need unity and unity is not something that's ready made. It has to be forged. And we have to have some kind of common agreement somewhere along the way. And uh, hopefully, our conversation builds us towards that.
0: So, real quick, um, you mentioned Jamal Barak. He was uh, part of a program that was presented to Wayne State uh, uh, Black Liberation
2: Human Rights.
0: Yeah, the Black Study, the Black Study used put that on. It was hosted over at the General Baker Institute. Along in conjunction with Community movement builders and black alliance, these I just wanted to put context and drop it out there as if the audience know. Uh, is there anything else you want to share about yourself before we move on to adult uh, Tawana? Teddy?
2: I'm a, I'm a conscious new African, uh, I, I'm a member of Community Movement Builders Detroit chapter, i uh, Grassroots Movement Detroit chapter, Rebuild Collective. Uh, I'm a, a member owner of the Detroit People's Food Co-op. Whoop, whoop. Uh, hey. uh, proprietor of the uh shed. Uh I mean, you know, just just out here trying to get in where I fit in and play a role wherever I can and support the forward movement of our people. Hey. hey. Yeah, I
1: mean, so I'm Tawana, also known as Honeycomb. I'm a mother, a lifelong Detroiter. Uh being a member of Detroit Digital Justice Coalition. Uh, I do a lot of work around data privacy and consent, uh, which we'll get into in later shows. Um, and yeah, I have the same goals as my brothers here. We don't always travel the exact same path, but we are we do have very similar destinations. That's um, the liberation of our people. Um, and so yeah, I, I love what Quasi has talked about thus far. Uh, about us having some common ground but you know the the contradictions that are that have been heightened is that we're pushing against a monolith in one breath and then in another breath we're trying to have a common ground That's I's you know you hear a lot of times in movements like black people are not a monolith black people are not not a monolith and I know you're gonna challenge me on blackness <laughs> and just even that as an identity um but politically you have us you know, are still very new and in coming into the political ideology of blackness. And I think people are starting are still trying to find some pride within that. And that is where our struggle is. It's like people that are so much further advanced and where we should be um, ideologically. And then you have people who are just coming into pride of being black, especially when you grow up in a city like Detroit, where it's been a half century of propaganda thought, right? Well, We've been dehumanized in every narrative way. Um, and so people are finding that pride again. And so, you know, a lot of people aren't ready to like let go of like blackness, but also want to push against this notion that we all think alike. But there's danger in that too. So um, I'm looking forward to deepening the dialogue around that uh, and what that means and how anti blackness plays into that and other things I know we'll talk about.
2: Oh. I'm with it. uh let me let me let me let me just uh do this real quick uh rebuild the win is part of our show's title we kind of like put two titles together uh however uh it's not a it's a slogan it came out uh it, it emerged following what we say is the, the demise or the uh dismantling of what was known the first BLM, before there was a hashtag, before it was Black Lives Matter was called Black Liberation Movement. And uh, at the height of the Black Liberation Movement, we had, uh, there was, you know, uh, a phase of armed conflict with settler colonialism. Uh, There was forces and part of the Black Liberation Army, you know, to give it a name, uh, they had a slogan called Build to Win. Uh, in the 70s, of course, uh, the Black Liberation Army suffered uh, major casualties and there was consequences. And there was a lot of room for growth before that launch. However, uh, looking back at that, uh, one of the comrades that I'm probably be referencing again and again, uh, who's no longer with us, but is also who's part of the Black Liberation Army Coordinating Committee, Brother Yaki, Yaki Yakubu, Usu Yaki Yakubu, he, he did, you know, and looking back and examining this, they were, you know, he had to conclude that our movement, you know, uh, the war continued, you know, the war between us and oppressive forces continued. However, uh, we lost that particular phase of battle and uh, our struggle, you know, uh, we were watching part of Black Liberation Mondays over at Mama Cool Community House, this past Monday, we was watching. him. we had a conversation. We were talking about how uh, our struggle. You know, we we tend to see the phase or the transition from the afros to the perms, right? From the dashikis to the silk shirts and fly collars, and we. I mean, it was a very abrupt shift in our consciousness. You know, uh, from a sense of collective struggle towards individualism. Uh, even, I mean, there was whole segments of. The, uh, the so-called militant black struggle that was co-opted through uh, philanthropic forces, uh, notably the Ford Foundation back then, but through poverty programs of the government, which is you know we can draw parallels today, and that's a, you know that's a conversation for another day to really it's unpack. And you know, uh, but keeping in context like civil rights legislation in 1965 when they got Voters' Rights Act. Uh, a lot of focus or emphasis was placed on electoral politics. And it was a great, it was promised there insofar as, you know, they thought that you know, we put people in office, they might do this, you know, they might protect our rights, they might not leave us out of, you know, uh, whatever. And, you know, uh, we can get police troops, that won't bust our heads. Uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of promise there that was unfulfilled, but that's a part of that, you know, that was a shift towards the destruction of the Black liberation movement, which led to uh, the slogan being uh, uh, changed from build to win to rebuild to win. Meaning, let's look back, let's reflect on uh, what we went through. You know, uh, everything wasn't a victory. There was a lot of losses. You know, we we can celebrate the victorious aspects of our struggle, but we have to learn from those aspects that you know took us a few steps backwards, you know what I'm saying we still have political prisoners today prisoners of war that you know a lot of us don't even know their names and that, that's
1: every
2: day. yes, absolutely, absolutely, and a new generation that like is' anonymous to us because they've been out there from George floyd Michael Brown, all these uh, contemporary protests against uh police uh brutality murder, assassination terrorism, and so uh, rebuild the win is about us looking into this, examining and, you know, trying to, you know what I'm saying, get a good footing that we can march forward. That's very important.
1: I wanna say one thing real quick, We're real quick. And we should also see it as a direct contradiction to make America great again and Detroit is coming back. I mean, rebuild to win, it should be a challenge to that notion, maybe more systemically, but when I hear make America great again, I know what they mean. And I know what they're trying to call America to become or to continue to be. Um, And when I hear Detroit is coming back, I know what they're trying to call Detroit to become or continue to be. And so, you know, when I hear rebuilt land, we're talking about that revolutionary struggle in history. I hear that as our challenge to those types of calls on people um, to create this other type of society. Very violent towards murderous,
2: terrorist. Um, it has always been that way from the very first day to now, right? Has always been that way, despite uh, some folks, you know, becoming millionaires in this generation, billionaires within this uh, capitalist framework. Uh, we have never had a single day of absolute peace as a collective, as a nation. So, uh and we had to look at that. We had to examine that. You know, uh, you know, everybody have a good day. You know, we you know, even in our enslavement, some people managed to have a day where, you know, they might have sabotaged something on plantage and felt that that was a, a victory, something to feel good about.
0: So y'all see this is gonna be heavy, right? <laughs> train went the train went on went a whole another way, you gotta put it back to. But it's good, right? Uh and part of it is rectifying he didn't mention that word either in our studies of rebuild the win and part of also rebuild the win is when we talk about coin sale pro we always talk about it from the standpoint of jagger hoover but not from the position like that's what any seller government does it creates a program to prevent someone to achieving their liberation But more importantly they also key in on uh, the flawedness of a human being. And that's part of the, the Rebuild win, was to look at what did we contribute for Pro for the quasi just laid out, for the Black Liberation Movement to um, be derailed, to, to have the um, the demise. So far as part of my, my introduction, and you know, what I've done, my name is Yousef. It's part of that transformation, and transitioning from a former gang member, prisoner, um, what I what I'm writing and theorizing about what I call black transformation, and that black transformation is rooted in, in a in the black experience. Malcolm X, Ella Baker, Stokely and, and so many others. Right? I think Bobby, Dr. Bobby Rice said, if, if if we're looking for an answer to our problem, it's it's, it's within our own lived experience. And but because how our lived experience has been shaped and given to us, we don't we don't trust it. Um, and particularly when you think about the, how academia is and saying well. That's not tested. That's not empirical, and which is all that bullshit. And, and we can't continue to use white theory to explain black phenomena. We can't use white theory to explain black phenomena. I think that's where the slogan of Rebuild and Win was about explaining that black phenomena. And I think where we're trying to continue that legacy with the birth of the Rebuild to Win from the grassroots podcast. But also, you didn't mention um, the Rebuild and Win paper. There's the rebuilding win newspaper that we're, we're going to also be talking about some of the articles that comes out uh, quarterly, um, and just 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 being able to share. Like I, I didn't want to do this, like like my other two comrades kind of over here, none of us really want to do it, but and we you know it was a time, time to do it, so time for time for everything, man. Um, I think we you know we share a little about us. All well. we, we're all native Detroiters, um, up black like Detroit. am kind of like, but Joe, how long have we been knowing each other?
1: A
2: little longer than me, but it's
0: been at least, you know, yeah, you know, yes, yes. over 10 Something years. Like yeah, so here's a caveat to me and quasi relationship like most most people know that him and I was in prison, but most people don't know that him and I never did time. We was never on the same prison. Actually, we had a mutual comrade that, um, Quasi had uh, left a prison, but I rode in, and him him and his brother. It was um, organizing together. They was doing some political studying. at the time, they were starting uh black prison. Was uh,
2: was a, was a black, preson- black panther prisoner party. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> they recruited, brother's name was uh, Sengora a.k.a. Smiley. He recruited, he recruited me. But actually, and how we met, me and, me and Smiley was overbooked. Like, when I got to that plantation, people knew of me as a guy with books. People knew him as a guy with books. And it's so funny, we, we meet up like, that have having guns and who guns the bigger whatever we meet up like who book who library was the dope, and I, I, and I can right exactly I can admit at the time you know he had me right I, I had more religious more contemporary type he had that that revolutionary I mean at the time that's when uh, Caesar time was coming out blood in my eyes or, or they was reissuing those books and
2: Black Classic Press was putting them back out exactly
0: and I'm like oh shit I need that in my I need that in my life. That's how, that's that's a little caveat. Most people don't know about quasi Now, so we never officially met until we came up and home out of prison. But Twana and I, we met at uh Hill Detroit. Ah, okay. So how what year was that? Yeah. Oh, that's thirteen. About thirteen years so
1: yeah. think that was. I, 20 I, I, oh,
2: okay. That was the, uh, the March. Yeah, yeah, yeah so know, It was yeah. March yeah. against uh, violence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, from the east to the west. C- caveat: Twana ended up being my uh, opening act before I came and spoke.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she gave me gave me dope ass. Quasi Quasi, Quasi Ross when we're taking pictures.
2: Yeah, pro- probably so.
1: Yeah. the op- most important part about that event was the West Side marched to the East Side, right. and but you know we all met up somewhere in the middle. Um, I, it was powerful. A powerful experience. No, that was
2: that was uh, yeah. you know met up at Palmer Park right there, kind of the, the mid juncture from the east side to west side. Yeah. No, it was beautiful. Uh, I
0: want to say no, one thing about that that experience. What was um, powerful? Uh, you taught as you identify yourself as an elder. There was the elder. Probably, probably,
2: yes. You know, yes. It was, yes. It was
0: very instrumental Um when we think about elders, people who not just elders, like right, folks who have put in the mood who've been there done that but not necessarily trying to use their their prestige for manipulation purpose trying to hold themselves at the gatekeeper and shit like that right ron was he'll get in the trenches with you he'll argue with you whatever it took but
2: he also gave you good good instruction good advice based on his own experience over the previous decades of struggle right he was involved in
1: Detroit Black Journal, uh, mm-hmm. Eyes on the Prize, uh, of course, the <laughs> coalition, just police brutality, like such a long story.
2: He's a Detroit history. Panther. When yeah, the Panthers, Panthers, Panthers right. were the Black Panther Party, he was a, a, a Black Panther, so he had a long history and he definitely was an elder in the struggle and uh, was trying to shape some of the younger folks who was coming along and trying to you know, play a good role as an elder, supposed to play, you know, and not, like I say, being just caught up on his own position as having experience. And, you know, it's a lot of ego yeah, yeah. in the movement. And there's a lot of people that don't want to, you know, get.
0: It's rough. It's rough. Hey, so I got a quick question before we transition to. Uh, still uh, I still want to do some? I got an introduction. No doubt. Um, share a Ron, Ron Scott's story. I'll go, I'll go first. Um, We, I was using. I had a flyer out. uh, it was my documentary, the first one, one of my first of uh, many documentaries that I was, that was in my book. And we, we was at right over there. What's that place over? Off seventy-five, um, Clay, seventy-five and Clay Russell. Yeah, the Russell. Um, Dr. Center. Yeah, it was a meeting in there, right? Ryan walk in. Eat eat. And at the time, we had met. He looking at the flyer. And I think I, see, you know, you trying to promote yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get out there. I, I use this a certain language. He's like, who's this guy? I think he know everything. Tell me, you know, something Ron said. I'm like, I'm that guy.
2: <laughs> of course you did. He was a high head.
0: <laughs> a high head, like,
2: don't deal my life. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> Damn, rough for <laughs> we ended up, man, Ryan ended up being, I might him, like a father. But that was, those things happen, right? And I think that's part of the re- rebuild on the win. Like, it's not always going to be peaches and cream. You're going right. to, you're going to one
2: generation yeah. to the next. Right. And we had, to, and we have to build those links. Otherwise, each generation is start from scratch. Uh, they start with no experience, and therefore, you know, the cycle continues to repeat itself and not advance itself. And, uh, and that's where we have to, we have to break that cycle of going in circles. We continue to repeat history largely because we don't know history, or we not attend to. To the lessons that are offered in history. and i think you know we lack that uh and we're living in a very one of the uh I the contributors to the confusion today is is that we have more information at our disposal today you know uh than ever before with just the internet and i mean you can i mean books if you can't afford books you can you can find a pdf i find pdf copies a little bit of everything on the internet. Uh, but, We prefer the sound bites. Like I say, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to be a talking head. Because I mean it's easy to you know to be driving down and listening to someone talking. And you know, it can be some good information, but it can still be inadequate, very inadequate to a fuller understanding. And we often don't take the next steps to kind of fully develop the position before before we ourselves begin to advocate these positions. We don't understand, you know, the pros and the cons of this, that or the other. And we hurt ourselves in that way. It's, it's a harm to us to uh to, to launch something with you know inaccurate information and you know uh I'm I'm with Miles. McCann. No investigation, no right to speak. And so um uh, I think it's important that we do uh try to you know sort through things and one of the things that I thought would be interesting for this show is that each episode we would introduce you know a book. You know, uh, introduce a book I mean, you know it, it, or whatever vantage point you think is relevant, we introduce a book just briefly to the audience, something that influenced you, something that had critical uh, information, something that relates to maybe, you know, further understanding a current issue. You know, uh, I think it's important because uh, readers make leaders. I do, I do think so. You know, the more we know, uh, the more prepared we are because we can't solve a problem that we don't understand. And I'm very clear on that. We can't solve no problem you can't understand.
0: All right, With that being said, Juan, you want to share your book that you brought?
1: Before sharing the book, I like to you all drop some jewels, some right? Quasi um, talked about no investigation, no right to speak, and earlier you talked about Coontail Pro. And I think one of the challenges that I find in, and I I, I say movement in quotes because I think sometimes movement is conflated with like mechanisms moving forward or moments, uh, historical moments. But, um, but a lot of people don't even know. A lot of people centers like, the surveillance of our movement and the targeting of our movement on COINTELPRO. They don't think about the Bureau of Investigations. They don't think about, like, pre-COINTELPRO. They don't think about some of the same agents who are leveraged against Garvey and the Panther Party. Um, and so, you know, I find myself a lot of times, because of those sound bites, I find myself a lot of times listening to um, talking heads, <laughs> um, and not being able to get even very meaningful dialogue and conversation from what's being said because I can tell it's very surface. So that I'm really deeply grateful that we have decided that this was going to be a podcast that's going to be rooted in study uh, and rooted in uh, educating and pushing back against those conflations between schooling and education we're all very well educated i'm not pretty i'm not very schooled right so i do a whole lot of studying that's outside of exactly. <laughs> exactly and another thing that we talked about that i'm really excited about is thinking about like the etymology of words like how they came into being how we started to uh, build and use um, certain language and what language we should be pushing back against. And so I'm just really excited to be in this space with y'all. Um, I've always been challenged politically and intellectually when being in space with y'all. So I'm like really deeply grateful to be back in this uh, political struggle um, with y'all. So the book know. that <laughs> the book that I decided for today that I was going to lift up is uh, Detroit. I do mind dying. Study of urban revolution.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> you know, and, and you know a little humble brag I got a lot of signatures in this book you know like Mike right. Hamblin yeah, and
0: come, like, like Angela that. Davis uh, and
1: you know a few other folks are in here uh authors of the book um but mean, I, th- I think this, I didn't. he passed away before I got the book but um but I will say this All right, um, I said you know Yes. I was going to say, you know mention, mention him in reference to this book but the reason why I want to lift this book up is not only because we're seeing a lot of worker movements like reemerge um in this moment like you're seeing like Amazon workers like 15 uh tech workers a lot of workers like that movement within the working class is reemerging um but this book really did a lot for me within taking myself out of the uh, job system, making me think about the job system as connected to my humanity. And so out of many books that I've read over time, uh, Detroit, I Do Mind Dying really did center my humanity for me in a way that other books had not. Um, And so I think this is a very important study. Um, If you're in a work, you're working class or you're in any sort of, mindset where you want to push against the status quo or you're challenging capitalism or anything, this is a really rooted Detroit story and it really does teach you that everybody within the capitalistic system is is deemed replaceable um, and so if you detach your humanity from job systems, these academic systems and all these systems that are trying to define your humanity um, you can have more of a systemic impact and movement or uh, or those movement moments that we find ourselves engaged in. So it's a very important book. It's very Detroit centered. Um, you learn a lot about General Baker and other uh, revolutionary organizers. Right,
2: but, uh, but but you know at the core of it, we talk we're talking about uh it's, it's about the Black labor movement. We're talking yeah. about the League of Revolutionary Black Workers. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, which is, a, which, is the, of, which is a neighbor, uh, Yes, all the organizations um, that let a drum. Killed, killed yep. run, yeah. All yep. of the predecessors in became the lead. all these uh the black workers, the, the hardest, you know, the uh the ones who uh the what they say, the last hired, first fired, worked in the foundry, Dragged the, the dirtiest jobs, yep. dangerous jobs, uh never could be promoted. And the labor movement in general was very discriminatory. uh still is. You know, right. You know, it remains, except, you know, it's, the major shift is a lot of the unions are working hand in hand with the corporations. They UAW against. was UA white back oh, then. That's,
1: that's what they would call it, the uh, yeah. organizers would say.
2: General Motors financed one of the uh, uh, big spikes in the 70s. I mean, like, literally financed this. I mean, it's, it's, it's all for show. Sure. But it began uh, in earnest among the workers who did. So, this is a book about you know, the working class struggle. As it emerged in Detroit through the uh, auto industries and related uh, industries, but I really
1: want the new industries, the new organized, the new energized young people to see this as something to stand on the shoulders. Absolutely, stand on the shoulders of this organizing.
2: No doubt, because that was they was on the cutting edge. This wasn't just some Detroit. They was it was on the cutting edge. Well, now, uh. Let me get back to this introduction. Because you, he started something, but uh and I want to complete it. Because I, right, uh, me and yourself, we we started our our journey behind enemy lines, behind uh, bars and barbed wire. I didn't, uh, you self, I started. I mean, I knew yourself, father, before yourself was in prison. Mm. Yourself, uh, one of the unique things about yourself story, uh when people first, you know, like read his first book, is the thing that most people are struck by is that he he developed his first relationship with his father behind bar. I, I knew his father before I knew him, so he was considered like a, a little brother to me because I had a lot of respect for his father and still do. Uh, and His father is still incarcerated. Uh, I would like to say a politicized prisoner, but it's definitely political in so far as the situation. I'm sure one day we might be able to devote an episode discussing that brother, John Mubarudi. Um, but uh I knew his father. And so like I said, the relationship is we we began to create a uh inner prison uh organizations. It, it began with, you know, this thing yeah, I was very young in my consciousness. I was very just trying to like I say, jumping on things before I really understood it. I read about the Black Panther, I was a corporate new Africa before I actually had my first uh literature on the Africa. I literally was using the word based on something that resonated with me in a footnote in a law book. Do you hear me now? Uh, a lot of people know about George Jackson, or about Malcolm X as uh, very influential uh, people from behind the prison. There's another brother that came out of New York. I used to look for his lawsuit. His name was Martin Salstreet. Uh Oh, man, this brother was started. Out in the 50s. And uh, and he had he was a, a paralegal and he did a, he was doing he was thrown in prisons for all kinds of things. Uh, but this he was a Puerto Rican out of New York, so he's but he knew Arabic, Spanish, and English, and so he had in New York prisons organized or organization uh connected to the Nation of Islam, independent of Islam, it was called the Muslim Brotherhood. And I remember reading in a footnote, they had like Excerpts from this in his lawsuit, excerpts from these documents that were seized. It was a secret organization. This in the 50s. You know, uh but it was in the prisons, it was a, it was an underground kind of because you know, uh, they didn't have the right of that kind of religion in there. But he fought for that and they eventually getting it. But in a later lawsuit, I think he got out and went to Rochester, New York, and they railroad him back to prison during the time when you had these urban rebellions and uh 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 buffalo new york i believe it was and they had he had a bookstore he got out and opened up a bookstore uh, he was an anarchist
0: Hold on. Hold on. you so he basically saying he got targeted
2: yes yep so
0: yep. Got, yeah, he got targeted, got targeted and we like talked that
2: store with the little red thing yeah. and then it the yep.
0: targeted so this got yeah, this is what we talking about he became a political prisoner yes
2: yes much. yes he was a politicized prisoner the first time and he was a political prisoner the second time because he was, they literally was trying to frame him, say he was selling dope out of his bookstore at the height of an so urban rebellion. Yeah, you
0: talking about the police, or police and the this state. the
2: powers that be, the state. Yes, the state and, and all its manifestations. Uh, and
1: politicized prisoner—that's someone who goes into prison and becomes politicized versus someone yes. who is incarcerated
2: because of their political ideas. Correct. Correct. Oh, so oh, thank then, you, thank you for inserting. You know, I mean, this it, is no, yes. this is what we want to do—is yeah. really bring yeah. these. Flesh these terms out, that they don't, you know, get misused or misunderstood. Right. That it makes sense.
0: And then, so then, to the honest point, he was, so they were surveillance, surveillance in them. Yeah, he
2: was. Yeah, he was on right. surveillance. I've been on surveillance right. since we've been here. That's, a, that's our. Uh, point and, 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 right. and, and and that's one thing. That's why it's so important that we kind of win on the surveillance. And we will do that, you know, again and again throughout uh, these programs. Is talk about it because uh, we've constantly run surveillance, and in response to that, we need to develop what uh, Brother IQ's put to his lines of secure communications.
0: Can right. You repeat it for our audience. You said a brother, when he got out, he opened up a bookstore. Yes. A bookstore. Yes, he did. He, was, he didn't have guns. No, he, ain't,
2: ain't he wasn't
0: on street corners yelling. He opened up a bookstore in the community. He,
2: he, he was organizing people who wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? Who would really want to understand the problem? Like I say, you can jump out there, both hands right. and feet, and just be angry. uh Brown right. and many others have said that anger and rage alone can sustain a movement.
0: Um,
2: you know what I'm saying? The emotions can't carry us forward. You know what I'm saying? We need rational thought. We need to be able to think through them. You know, like Tupac say, plot, plan, and strategize. And oh, so- yeah, a Tupac quote? Oh, man.
1: <laughs> we know we oh, find so we, <laughs> we know that's what makes us most dangerous. So we'll come to that one accord and that political ideology. That's what becomes the we weapon.
0: Yes. I, I mean, and I just wanna we we we're kind of breaking this down as you're talking because we underestimate as whatever you call yourself as activist organizer, as advocate. You still can be targeted. You still can be surveillance, and sometimes we we wonder, well, why me?
2: There is no innocent activity.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, under
2: the state, uh, George Jackson, you know, uh, talked about it. But there is no innocent activity, and, and uh, he that right. brothers. He he were, he was uh, using. Uh, he talked about how the police were raiding all these different uh, Panther offices and headquarters and raiding them and. And he used the analogy with the Vietnamese, and he talked about how, you know, uh, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have found, you could, they couldn't have found where they was at in the first place, and that we make it easy for them to destroy us. We make it easy for them. That was what George Jackson wrote. We make it yeah, easy for them to destroy us, and our job is to make it hard. Our job is to make it hard for them to destroy us. And so, and we have to be clear on that. That means we have to have a greater or deeper understanding. You know, there are no sacred cows on this show. Right. There are no sacred cows. We, I mean, what's on I, your I, shirt? I, I got three uh, land based revolutionaries, uh, theoreticians, and thinkers. Uh,
0: and Amalia, I'm, I'm, Amalia, what's the name? your name?
2: Uh, my microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah uh, right,
2: it's good, no, uh, but we had three people that uh, have been very influential in my life. Uh, at the top is uh, Mario Bedelli, formerly known as uh, Richard Henry. Uh, below, uh, we have uh, Harry Haywood. Harry Haywood over here. I know uh, his name is not very familiar because uh, he's been literally white, whitewashed out of history. Now, our people, we'll talk about that in another episode. We may have a lot of time here. And uh, one of my uh, theoretical uh, teachers, brother, uh, Owusu Yaki Yakubu, who was also, uh, I referred to him earlier, who was a young man who went into prison as part of the Black Liberation Army out of uh, Chicago, out of Illinois. Uh, did 33 years before he was released. What he did this time pretty quietly and intellectually insofar as he organized uh, in many ways, a brilliant brother, a great thinker, uh, and he, he, he poked at my own knowledge. The more I read him before I met him, you know what I'm saying? He, po- he poked at my, he, you know, poked toes because he was a thinker, and he was the first one to say that we had to critique our own struggle. Like, we made it easy for Quantel Pro. Quantel Pro couldn't have did what he did without our aid and assistance, without our neglect in some area, in some shape, form, or fashion. We contributed to the tax to happen. We made it easy for that to happen. And so, but all of these, you know what I'm saying, no one is above, you know, I'm, i love Amari. Amari is one of the seminal thinkers behind uh Provisional Government of Republic of New Africa. Nation Day is coming up March 31st, here for a second. Charleston, South Carolina. I'll see you uh- <laughs>
0: that's that's like there. Like the but
2: you know, but Amari, but and Amari, you know, uh you know, I don't agree with everything no one says, and you know, that applies to us as well. You know, nothing we say is uh is gospel, but you know, that's why learning how to think, you know, what Malcolm was always talking about, learning how to think and not what to think. Right. And oftentimes we find ourselves regurgitating things the other people said without even unpacking it was fuller meaning.
1: Romanticized.
2: And 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 and, and it really put a put a put a uh it, it, it haunts our struggle from, from moving. You know, sometimes it stagnates us. Sometimes it sends us backwards. You know, it sends us backwards. And, you know, we try to, you know, climb I mean, and going say forward, ever backwards, never.
0: How does that tie into the book that you brought?
2: Oh, uh, well, I brought, I brought a book. International human rights, the International Bill of Human Rights, which is a, uh, Document I had since I was uh, incarcerated.
0: It looked look like it had been through the washing machine. <laughs> no,
2: you know what? Uh, I, was, I, was
0: you at, right. <laughs>
2: I was at IMAX Correctional Facilities uh, Level 6 Supermax on, here in on, Michigan so, for so, a couple
0: years. Let's clarify that. At, how, how long ago was it since you've been at, you was at IMAX? Uh, that was in 1991,
2: 92, 90, 90
0: 92. So was, that's over 20 years.
2: Yes, well over. Uh,
0: yes, it's long. So, long. so you had that 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 particular book.
2: Yes, but it, it's one of the things they did. We I, they the took staples yeah. out of everything. Hold so on, when they on. got your book, they took your staples out. So I had to use thread from my uh, prison blues and kind of sew it back together through the holes <laughs> <laughs> to buying a book. So Quasi well, is the elder. I think I was <laughs> a freshman right, in right.
0: high school. I mean, how I many how I many prisons that you yeah you went through. I have to leave an IMAX. Again, you know, I'm just trying to put it in context with people. You we, carry
2: that book right. Through. You
0: know, because we say 20 years and we rushing like uh, wow, that's that's heavy.
2: Uh I mean, don't get me wrong, I haven't pulled this. It. it'll probably be more no. damage. I, I have not pulled it out in a long time, but from, and the reason I brought it is because it, it highlights some of the things that also we also gonna be talking about. Like I said, this is the introductory episode, so okay. we're just kind of setting the tone. But an in international law, which to me uh supersedes uh domestic colonial law is, and, and you know, we have we, it's a lot of pushback and critique, and it's justified against the United Nations. But most human rights law, as we understand it today, we had to keep it in context. It was happening at a time of a uh, global upheaval from colonial countries, liberation,
0: like, liberation struggle, yeah,
2: you know, liberation struggles from you know, South America, Asia, Africa. Uh, you know, they these struggles, some of these uh, newly emerging nations from colonialism were the countries that were shaping human rights law
0: right.
2: in those early right. days. And we had to keep that in context. Got now, now, you know, United, what what makes the United Nations compromise is the overwhelming force of United States right, imperialism right. in determining how these other countries vote, because though they decolonized, they became neocolonized.
0: So you're saying at that level, there's two competing ideologies.
2: Well, they, they suppressed. The United States didn't sign, for instance, and it's not in here, the Genocide yeah, yeah. Convention from uh, uh, 1948, which was one of the first human rights statements to come out. It came out, 1848 Genocide Convention, which articulates what genocide is. And if you read the definition, uh, it articulates everything that's happening to us to this very day. Right, right. You know, uh, it's not just the physical murder of a people, it's a bunch of other qualifications that constitute genocide. And the uh, United States did not sign the Genocide Act for 40 years in 1988. I mean, right, and even then, and that was around the time that they were beginning to issue what, they were, what a lot of people refer to as reparations to like uh, the Japanese that were interned in detention camps during World War II uh, at the time when some indigenous nations were being, you know, thrown a bone, you know, after taking the land from the sea. So From one side to the other, Atlantic to the Pacific.
0: So let's let's use um the contemporary where folks can really get get what you're talking about. We was just recently at the Mama Cool House? I played the episode of, of Bumpy with Malcolm. He's he's over in um Egypt somewhere right now. Yeah,
2: yeah he was over at the uh, Postman Organization African Unity. So, uh, so can whatever. you
0: tie that in? Because I know everybody's watching Bumpy, watching that. At the That's Godfather, right? Uh, now. And how they re reenacted Shea and how Shea tells them.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, it's, and not, it's not historically right,
0: accurate right, because... Right. And not necessarily critiquing that or trying to make, but tying that in because, remember, Malcolm's he, he uh, introduces the human rights. human rights. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm still on par for human rights over civil rights. And, you know, the civil rights struggle led to domestic legislation, uh, right, for the housing, mm-hmm. uh, against housing discrimination for voting rights. Uh, but that was within the uh, within and under the context of the United States Seller Constitution. However, human rights, and it's, it's the context I think you're asking for, maybe I'm wrong, is outside countries can't intervene on right. domestic problems. Right. So long as we, uh, Martin Luther King was being dog sick on them and police batons, cracking heads, and they're marching for uh, basic civil rights to participate in so called the, the state, and so-called American dream as they, you know, were framing it. the uh, understood that you can't even ask for help because it doesn't, you know, it's not, you're not raising it to the level of human rights violations. Human rights violations was where you, you took the people to the world court. You know what I'm saying? And you have other countries weigh, in, it weigh it in on these
0: issues. It superseded American government.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I find it troubling that we get stuck within domestic law about what's legal and what's illegal when the United States legalized our slavery. And if they decide to legalize again, if, we, if we're going well, by... still
1: legal on the books in most of our states.
0: Neither the slavery nor about the say servitude shall exist, except as a punishment for a crime, 13th Amendment. Yeah. Yes.
2: And so... Including Michigan, it's still... So, I mean, but we get caught up on domestic law. And not to say that we can't push back against right. oppressive repress repressive domestic law, but that has to be tactical steps and not necessarily our end game. Yeah. You know, that it can't be our goal. That's
1: just to slow some of the hemorrhaging down. Because I mean if,
2: if we if we just go back to the indigenous struggle about, you know, signing trees and putting anything on paper, it's just a piece of paper at the end of the day. doesn't mean anything. There's no one to watch and monitor and make sure they own on they holding it down and doing what they're supposed to do. And like I say, all that stuff don't mean that I mean people's complaining on say the Asian they did the uh, the anti hate thing about the Asians, and it's like, we're supposed to get our bill, like, your bill is your bill, and and in any case, what bill, what they're going to write on a piece of paper that's going to make significant difference, because none of it has, none of it has in history, and so we get excited about stuff written down on paper when, uh, I believe it was Red Cloud that said, uh, you know, how many treaties have we broke with the United States? None. How many have, they broke all of them. not a single treaty that they honor. And, you know, likewise with us. And we have to be honest with that. You know, we can't get caught up in what's in uh, domestic law because our liberation will not come through legislative means. It will not be a vote in Congress on whether the Black nation fulfills its promise. You know, uh, so we have to be clear on that. You know, I don't mean we don't push and struggle within these realms, but these are not...
1: To understand that's the means.
2: Yes, yes. You know, I mean, it's and then also what we used to say back in the day, uh we some of these strokes we engage in to uh, d- as as a way of educating our people that uh, we should say exhaust our remedies. We we push it as far as we can go, but then we have to learn the lessons from that. You know what I'm saying? They, it can't go past here. Then, that, then what does that say? That can't. And Malcolm used to say, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you can't claim you want freedom in one breath and then next breath I'm about what you want to do to get it. You know what I'm saying? So. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I don't want to talk your head off.
1: It made me think of Ron Scott again real quick because you asked really briefly for like a Ron Scott mm-hmm. story. And it makes me think about yeah, it, like, I, I Ron thought, would drag me to I like, forgot
0: my question, man. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it back.
1: Ron would drag me to like these the, the Board of Police right? And uh, I mean, you know, familiar you know, you know, uh, a legitimate governance of law enforcement. However, I knew that I learned through him that that's a space to educate and politicize our people about what By we the
0: think.
1: Right, exactly. So you had a lot of elders, particularly like the, the the large voting base. They religiously go to those meetings, and they're hearing one-sided story. They're hearing propaganda. So if they're hearing propaganda, then what is our intervention in that? If we're not in those spaces to give what our ideology is, so yeah. So it makes me think about that, like you know, sometimes voting voting uh, or other things that are put on paper or op eds or podcasts or any mechanism of sharing a narrative is leveraged as an intervention to the dominant narrative that has put us in the position that we're in. And so I just want to put that up I used to go picking and screaming to those people around <laughs> Scott, like,
2: why I wanna go to those meetings. Long boring.
1: Yeah, like who wants to go there? You know, and now I understand. It's Ryan about
2: the police yeah. yeah and go on the record that it's another just another view right go on record that it's another view you know uh because they can always argue and they always argue that uh what we hear is that people want more police Right. Yeah. and you know they don't hear that. some people are saying the opposite
1: or sometimes people who want more is because they haven't heard our alternative vision
0: I think that's a great point when um you illustrate about Ryan right and Ron taught me that uh, every revolutionary is an activist, organizer, advocate. Not every activist, organizer, advocate is a revolutionary. And, and the, point, the point being, a revolutionary is, is one who has a commitment to an ideology, a commitment to a certain lifestyle.
2: But what we, is an ideology?
0: Ideology is rooted is in um, a theory, in a particular belief.
2: It's is ideas, yeah. we, and we all govern by ideas. We, we, I mean, we don't always consciously know what the ideology is, but uh, when you say, I want to be a boss, I want to be a CEO, that's the ideology attached Absolutely. to those concepts, right? You know, uh, when you Sometimes say, Sometimes it's just an agenda and a goal, and you don't even notice,
1: it,
2: like right? Like you said, you're heard. fulfilling an ideology that you don't even understand,
0: which makes it, you more dangerous.
2: Yes, it's it's more dangerous to you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And we can grow into theology. We can start out not knowing and then grow into it and claim it and own it and, you know, become advocates for it. Uh, But we all are possessed by certain sets of ideas. Uh, Some of those ideas may have uh, come through our upbringing, whether it be the church. The ideas could be what we learned in school. You know, uh, it can come through our experience or conversations with folks. But there are ideas, you know, that, 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 a governing set of ideas. You know, they're not always political, but they are political because nothing is not political. Right. And politics, and you know, I just used a simplified version from uh, Dr. Milana Karenga. Uh, I know he did a bad rap uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, some his history, but he's he's a brilliant thinker. I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but he, I thought it was very useful because uh, it helped me through the years, he defined uh politics as the art and process of gaining, maintaining, and using power. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's the essence of uh, politics and power is the end game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always the end game. And you know, how how do you, you know, you use that? And let's be real,
1: we use the every day, we made a society. <laughs>
2: Like right. just so to Separate the message from the messenger. Sure sometimes that, is right. the best way. I mean, so yeah.
0: so you say it can create a better society. Are we, are we trying? Is that the goal of to go create a better society? Create something out of the biology the society. I, well, it, I don't know if I want to abolish society. No. This, mm-hmm. society. So what's right, so, Okay, so let's define what, what you mean by society.
1: Right. I mean, I think it's similar to community, right? It's society
2: defined from, by the people who are part of it.
0: For the dictionary, no. and, and <laughs> the pocket dictionary
2: society is a very basic term, man. Yeah, society is, yeah. I mean, but
0: I, was going to do I, I would
2: argue for the, uh, liberating our society, New African society, from American Sellers Society. However, uh, we're talking about building a model society, a new society, a society that you know fulfills all those aspirations. That we sing about those high and lofty ideas So,
0: so, no, sorry, so about now. how
2: we can get along and do things together, you
0: know. So, so for clarity' purpose, when, we, when the word "society" is being used, it's not about the common present day society, but the transformation of, of society out of our experience by liberation. Is that, is that what or I mean?
1: Defining clear?
0: a society that serves us. Yeah, yeah, right, but but not. So, when I thought of, like like my our government. Our president, I, I, I thought that's no, what no government. It. That's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about not the same. You you lean leaning on oh, no, the light. Like, okay. Uh,
2: but now, nah, uh, that, that's 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 uh important because you know vision. Uh, you know, one thing we wanna we wanna hope to transmit through this uh, program is a little vision. Uh, that we can see past the present, you know, because uh, as the old folks used to say. This too shall pass, but it ain't gonna pass on its own, you right. know. Uh, And what is it gonna pass to? Right, and, and right, next? right, because uh, it continues to transition. Society continues to transition. Uh, we, we change. We are shifting. You know, like you know, I, I often say that we have a generation now that was born with the internet and iPhone. Right. They were born with technology. With technology is part of their, you know, DNA. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it was here already. You know, I was here when it wasn't. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I remember a different the way the world functioned. And some of us are more accepting of this technology unquestionably. You know, uh, and so. And
1: technology has been conflated to just mean digital technology because. People have come up in that society okay. where they hear that technology is this, technology is oh, yes.
0: books. You Not know uh, no, no. field here, but you know, and I'm here to learn, and
2: I'm here to learn, you know. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love it,
1: love
0: it. Love it. Oh, um, you the book? my book, the book is the Genocide Files. Right? Now.
1: You said that kind of joyfully.
0: I did, I did. I, <laughs> I don't read a lot of novels
2: See, you got the, you got the flag this name colored in
0: but <laughs> yeah i re- I repeat i don't read a lot of novels i probably can count on one hand one hand and a half how I many novel, novels i read in my life same, um, same, yeah. i don't even remember how i came across this book and when i, I, mean, I what's the, the subtitle book?
1: on that uh,
0: the Gen- genocide files a novel of suspense, uh, of suspense. Hmm. in fact uh robert uh boxer okay I can't think of his other name, but anyway. Boy, Rico. 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 Rico he gave Rico X. Rico X, he gave me this book, man. And um it, it's like this book was set by the dope two mm-hmm. And is it fiction, though? It's not
1: nonfiction.
0: It's nonfiction, but it's fiction. It's, yeah, it's fiction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yes, yeah, fiction. But it it it, it tells like the, I really I hate the word story, but it tells a story where it uses this character of the brother. Uh, who works he, actually he's a um, part owner in a, uh, a newspaper company and the newspaper company is struggling and so he decides like well the way I'm gonna save it I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the ground or that that Republican mentality and pull my pull myself up boot, uh, bootstrap to get out of here because he's he's getting all the pressure because he's the minority in this in this situation and as a result he he finds himself in this conflict of of some police and so he begins to do. Investigating reporting and investigating reporting takes you on this whirlwind where he learns stuff about his family that he was that had been held from it, but doing but doing this process, it, it really walks you through transformation. Hmm. He starts off as as this petty bourgeois brother looks down on the Negroes in the ghetto, and by the time you get to the end of the book, he learns that his so the genocide files it talks about how the government had this plan this plot. How to destroy and kill black people, and his father was at the center of trying to solve this problem, but he didn't know this. And then, he, and his, and his brother—I mean, his father's brother was a, like a gorilla And whatnot. So in the end, he—he he starts off as this very uh, petty bourgeois revolutionary.
1: Wow,
0: very, very powerful, very, very entertaining, very engaging. And then, like the stuff that you and I—we all talk about when we try to explain to people, I ain't trying to hear that black shit. All right, man, going somewhere.
2: He was one of them.
0: Exactly. And, no, and, no, no. and by the end of the book, he's the one he's on the opposite end. And that's why I really when we said that joy, the excitement of that, because we talk about what who we going to show is Who are who are who are our audience? Right. You know, our audience is our people and our people could be a multitude of folks. But how do we talk I'm to You talk to them in a in a manner where we ain't talking over the hill. Again, you know, we talk like as we've been demonstrating, we're gonna say a word, we're about to break this word down, we just ain't about to drop shit on you and keep it moving. And and it's just a talking here shit. That's
2: what's up. Loving it. That's what's up. We're gonna deal with nomenclature too. We're gonna deal with terminology. We're gonna you know, we're gonna uh all all language isn't equal and uh nomenclature is all study
0: you know, is not equal either.
2: Yeah, it's not Oh, we got comments. we were, uh, yeah, yeah. How do We just been chatting. How, how do we access those comments? This is new. We we just getting acclimated to this. Uh, you know, Detroit is different, it's very high tech. And so, you know, they're doing yeah. more yeah. than I'm prepared for.
0: Let's give a shout out to Joy uh, Joe Black and Kari. Woo! Kari Freddy's, yes,
1: thank you. Congratulations
0: on the start, man. Happy fight. Be happy to be here. Yes, we are.
1: I want to say real quick while we're doing that, uh, why are you talking about nomenclature? It's really important. Ah, okay. I, I just want to say it's really important. Uh, we live in a society where like billionaire Dan Gilbert has bought like dictionary.com and stores.com. <laughs> so we can't, and thinking about digital technologies, right? We can't, we're going to get to a point, and you're looking at chat GPT and all these other technologies that we can have more deep in depth in a, a future show, but we're getting to the point where reality. Cannot just be taken for granted, right? The definitions of words will change. the uh, the The ways that words are articulated online will be changed, and new generations will come into a different sort of consciousness based on who is at the helm of owning these words. And so, it's just really, really important that we keep that in mind. You
2: know, yeah, words. Um, uh, a professor. Uh, uh, and Google said that you know, language is a carrier of culture mm-hmm. and not culture in the sense of you know, artifacts, not the, the dash in the dreadlock. How we be, the but way cult, way. culture, right? Culture is the value systems, the mores, the uh, you know, everything that governs a society, a people, a community, a village, and uh. Language being a carrier of culture is very influential. The, the terms that are used to describe phenomena, like you say, uh they had a civil rights struggle Malcolm X introduced human rights to, the, to, the, to that
0: narrative. And he shifted, he shifted
2: Yes, that was a major, that was a major shift, and it was a, 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 a mind-opening shift to another way of interpreting or understanding our reality, which is very important. But we're gonna also introduce terminology and nomenclature. Uh, that is uh, particularly designed to help advance our struggle. Uh, one of the things I did not particularly or explicitly mention about myself is that I am uh, a conscious New African. Uh, you know, conscious New African. They're I just, like, what is just a, Now, conscious New African is a term that just happened to be used in uh, the Code of Emoja, which is the Constitution of the Republic of New Africa. And conscious New African means that uh, I am aware and accept or embrace my New African As opposed to, you know, we say that all uh, descendants of those who are enslaved are new Africans, just some are not aware of their new Africanness. And therefore, when I say kind of new, I'm just saying that I accept and embrace that I'm a part of a nation that evolved uh, right here inside the belly of the beast. Uh You know, so, you know, uh, nomenclature is important. And, you know, uh, I refer to, you know, I don't do it as often because sometimes it could. Confuse people, and one thing I'm, I'm I
0: ain't I'm, never heard of the word today. So.
2: What, what, word is that? What, well, nomenclature is just a definition, that's the English just how term, just how you, how you name things yeah. to give it meaning. And, but, uh,
1: like the etymology of the word, like what's the root, how did the word develop,
2: or how, or how it you know, uh, how it is used, like historically, they refer, mm-hmm. like, we in Detroit, all uh. Don't you got family that, you know, your family didn't start in Detroit. right? right. You know, your family didn't start in Detroit. Our family didn't start in Detroit. We end up in Detroit. There's a, a wide range of history that referred to it as the migrations.
1: Right. Uh, but
2: we that, know it
1: was forced terrorism a lot of times. I mean, you know,
2: the narrative is they saw better home, better housing, better jobs, uh, you know, better education because schools in the South, you know, and that, all that is true. All that is true. That's not the entire story because it doesn't explain the family that left uh, in pre dawn hours. You know what I'm saying? Whole boat on the train that was passing through because he owed so much debt as a tenant farmer, as a sharecropper. You know, and sometimes the, the husband left looking for this work because Chicago Defender, Amsterdam News, Pittsburgh Curry, some of these northern newspapers were advertising come on up here. Promise land. They literally use the what word mean, promise like they land. They do
1: about Detroit and New York with the billboards. It yes, the
2: for cheap. These, <laughs> these were. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: Yes, they were doing that during gentrification. Yes, during the bankruptcy. Yeah. Yes, yes, they had billboards Everywhere. come. Yes, come they did. Detroit. Go to Detroit. Yes, they did. Yep. But, me, are we talking about uh these were the, the legal papers, the black papers of this right. era. And they're in the north, and they were just saying these plants are opening up. Come, mm, come to Detroit. You know, come Before. up here. We got you know, it's work. You don't have to deal with that. Uh,
0: you know, like uh, uh, right, brutal south.
2: Right, and so, uh, so that part of the story get washed out about how you know, and don't get me wrong, it was so bad that they began to enact laws in the south that you had to get a permit to recruit workers. Wow. Because they didn't want us to leave. And when you apply for a permit, it put, made you a target. Or <laughs> like going to vote. No, no. Well, if you came from Chicago or Detroit and we was going down there and trying to recruit some people, because you had, you brought, yeah, they sent black people and they sent uh, a, a seller, American uh, recruiters, go down there and just get workers. We need workers. And so they was going down there. But if you, if you go to jail, if you didn't apply for a permit because they wrote laws, you just can't go around here just because you just talk have a conversation man so then you go then you're going, you going, you to, jail going to, jail. to
1: apply for the permit you apply for a permit now, now, you, now you set yourself up for some other mess because now they railroad you know
2: right. they're gonna railroad you right. now you at the coffee shop now you didn't they're gonna look for anything to nitpick and railroad you they chased you out of town because they didn't want us to leave for their cheap labor. Right.
1: But,
2: you know what I'm saying? They didn't they needed us you can't you can't fancy yourself supreme right. unless it's somebody inferior to you.
1: That goes back to what you said about the lack of safety. Like there is no safe way to struggle for our liberation. it Goes back to what you. No, said. ain't no, ain't no innocent There's activity. No
2: innocent activity. So, ain't no innocent activity under uh just you know uh, imperial seller colonial capitalist. State.
0: So we got uh thirty minutes, though, right? And want to ask the question: it's your, your raw emotion, your raw, your raw thoughts. Particularly around it was, was in the news related to the Memphis situation. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different perspectives: five black officers, seller officers, you know, and beat, brutally beats a black man, killing. Uh, I know a lot of the conversations: why, why, why they ain't out protesting? What's going on? Blah blah blah. Actually, it but yeah, I mean, this is you know, and just wanted to give folks uh um, initial thoughts. Um, you know, I and mean, today, in our today's show is, is what you saw us you know, just just introducing ourselves. I and mean, I think um, our ability to we, we touched on some high things, but just kind of zeroing in as we get ready to leave, give you people a taste of what what we'll do become in terms of once we structure it out more in terms of you know, what a topic will be. Am I I'm not going first with someone else like to?
1: I mean, I would just say it's a protracted struggle, and I think sometimes we get confused. Um, when certain moments happen in history, um, and we look for uh, activation to look a certain way. And I think, you know, just as long as this struggle has been ongoing, so has resistance to these forces has been ongoing. And so um, just because you're not seeing something in the media, the mass media or the news doesn't mean that there isn't movement. And also the people who ask the questions to be asking those questions of themselves. What then are you contributing to transforming the Absolutely. system? What are you looking for externally that you need to see a certain type of response? And if you're not seeing the response that you're looking for, then how are you perpetuating that response? And so, yeah, that's that's what I would say to that.
0: Yeah, for me, for me initially, uh, was trying to unpack the layers. Mm-hmm. I mean, any of us who, who reside in ghetto, or we say nowadays, which is a a very oppressed community, a very oppressed area which we don't control, but we think we do. We don't control nothing in there. So as a result, the police comes in as an occupying army, and I lead quasi to talk about neocolonialism of that aspect. And many of us know of black black officers beaten, killing, but we had never seen, to our knowledge, Something like five, or, and I think they said it was a white officer.
2: Yeah, it was other, it was other officers. Right. They just weren't in the in the in the view of the camera. Right. One of them was right. actually it was his body cam that was used in a lot of cases. Okay. You saw his hand here and there,
0: and you heard his voice. Right. So that's a, so as a as a, from a psychological standpoint, trying to uh, wrap our heads around that, and then you you see the the media response. You to uh, get fired or uh, suspended. Brother got suspended. Yeah, I mean, and tar- and,
2: before they were charged,
0: and this kind of falls in with a lot of our discussions in around the the, the dynamics of race and how race is, is it plays different roles. Where what we see on the other hand, of white central cetera folks, did they, they get all due process, and and if they, they do get it suspended, they get they getting suspended with pay, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you don't even know the names, you don't see the images, but with with these guys. It, it was it was a totally different right totally different process right so for me that's like a it was like a double injustice in there you know the injustice of the young brother or the brother who was, who was killed but then you see the 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 uh white settler or white hegemony playing, putting these black men out to dry as well but in reality they're part of the system part of the problem but that leads into the confusion because we look at the officers as if they're why do why do they do that? They're supposed to do the right thing, but the, their their loyalty, their interest is a different situation. for so being able to de- deconstruct them as black men, but also as officers, which they saw themselves more than just black men,
2: right? Uh, oppression is what oppression does. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, law enforcement, you know, uh, to use that term, uh, began as a repressive force against. Uh, New African people, and right, it began to repress, uh, the, the prevent escapes, prevent uh, insurrections. You know, uh, I mean, it it was there. It, its very beginnings was there. The arm, the uh, uh, employment of armed uh, settler men, aka white men, American men, because we are not Americans. though some of us consider. My brother say uh, half Americans. Uh, hyphenated Americans, but you know, so the, that aspect confused us because we didn't we, we associate these kind of brutality or terrorism or murder, death of our people, we associate with uh, uh, what we like to say is you know, racist That's what we like to say, and, and you know, that's what we used to sing, but we forget that the system operates as a whole, and that uh, with a class conscious, we recognize that. Now, there's a lot of other layers, and a lot of the layers can be seen when you have a broader perspective. Malcolm talked about that as well, about trying to see beyond your block, your immediate experience, and seeing the world and having a broader perspective. In this context, simultaneous to uh, 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 the brutal beating death of Tyree Nichols, we also see a couple things happen. We have Cop City, where this young Venezuelan uh, uh, activist was killed. Uh, in Georgia, you know, uh, and they were, they were uh, occupying the forest to prevent, you know, as a part of a protest to raise uh, awareness around the buildup of uh, Cop City. That was the name. That's the name that's, you know. Literally
0: literally Cop City.
2: Literally Cop City. This this massive, uh, you know, supposed to be, this area of the forest supposed to be conserved. It was actually in law, conserved by law in in, uh, Atlanta law. And you know, you had lobbyist forces. Now it's being funded by a corporately funded foundation, the police foundation, which is uh like I say, we go for OG Dog all the time. Uh after the George Floyd protest, which you know reached you know populations around the globe, uh in the height, in the in the midst of a pandemic, uh people came out and protested. And uh with that came a lot of corporate uh piggybacking. And, you know, you had all this marketing campaigning from all these major corporations, Black Lives Matter. They start giving out grants and doing programs to fund this and fund that. But what people didn't know about was that they were also funding the same police we was protesting. Cop City is a privately funded, corporate funded entity, you know. We're talking about a training center, not just to, for a line of police. This is supposed to be a training center it's supposed yeah, to be it's high it's tech it's right. at a level where cops can come in and get elite training in law enforcement. But what does it say about a society that needs this many internal cops? It's one thing when you got a society, you got an army to protect the borders from encroachment from the outside. It's an entirely different thing to say this is a civil society when you got police, you know, in uh, military Apparel, you know, they, right. they're rolling up in tanks and special equipment when people are protesting. When this yeah. society says in their own decorates, independence and constitution about the right to be able to, you know, stand up against even if your own government you do something, but they bring out the tanks against these very people.
1: Yeah, it's supposed so, to be a responsibility.
2: So, but in addition to Cop City, Simon says we have something happening right here in our own backyard here in Michigan, uh, Camp Grayling, which is a, 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 a what would you call that? Uh, you call them uh, National Reserve, uh, you know, troops, military troops, reserve troops. Camp Grayling is the largest uh, training base in this country uh, for the National uh, Reserve. Uh, I forget how many, uh, it's like 250 square, it, it takes up 250 square miles of forest up north. They're trying to expand Camp Grayling by another two hundred fifty thousand square miles. The people up there, you know, which is probably a very conservative population, are pushed back because they love land, they love the, they love nature, and you know it's a it's a lot. But this is supposed to be for military training, international for training forces, repressive forces in other countries. Imagine, uh, the real. A tr- Right. I mean, well, Israel actually provides training for ours, for, 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 for people US here want. because they have, yeah. ex, you know, extremely advanced, repressive technologies and they actually do a lot of training to the United States, inside the United States. I mean, so it does they specialize back, in
0: that. That kind of goes back to your inter, international point, right? I, I, I mean, yeah, but we but just have to see the a, big
2: picture. Yeah. It's about really trying our very best. We can't
1: we just see it all. Can so you say that again? why the U.S. opt out of so many of those, like messages, uh
2: international treaties and different things. So you don't have to live up around. to those standards. Mm-hmm. And, and so Little it's trying to see bastards. the big picture.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, we really do have to you know, uh, try to see the big picture the best we can. Uh, we can't do everything that's happening all at the same time, especially if you're going to work every day and you're trying to take care of your families, trying to you know do your due diligence in your community, Whatever We can't know everything, but we also need reliable outlets to be able to share the information that, that we can trust. Because you can't trust everything that's floating out here. People get all over the place. Even within the struggle, uh, people are yeah. sponsored by I
1: will say so- that's one reason why that's that is, that is going to migrate to Jimmy and Grace, you know, with the all time, what time we're in. Like what time it is on the clock of the world should be defining how we engage in movement theology or uh political education because what chances was, are whatever oh, is happen- happening out here
0: what's political education
1: i mean it's the ways that we learn about a society um whether it be through study uh whether it be through you know the personal political uh how we apply how we experience the world through history, historical analysis, reading, um, and those things, you know, different mechanisms for growing and developing our critical thinking around. And so, you know, what time is on the pocket of the world? Like, I used to resist that. Like, what the hell does that mean? But now, like, I want to know, like, how does this apply to what's happening globally? To the best of my ability, like you said, right. there's no way we're going to know everything, but nothing's new under the sun. So we should be looking and it's to patterns. see, right. I, and I think, there are patterns that we can yeah. follow
2: from one place to another that can help broaden the way we understand things.
0: But to see those patterns and things, we have to ask questions. Uh, right. And and part of what time to talk on the world is the direct question. Right. And, and the question makes you to look inside yourself because we live, we live in a country that te- teaches people what to think instead of how to think.
2: Right? We're, moving, we're moving rapidly towards... Uh, it's already a fascist country. Uh, I mean, in my in my estimation, but it's always been that, right? There. I'm just saying, but it, it's it's rapidly it, it's increasing its fascism in, uh, in uh, Missouri. Just you know, a few days ago, they just uh, you got young people. It's legal for young people open carry. You know, that includes whatever is legal. Open, you know what I'm saying uh, they can open carry, and they were trying to pass legislation to kind of curtail youth. We are talking about minors. Not an 18 year old, we're talking about minors, right? Uh,
0: and it's legal,
1: and with the technology, they're
0: creating these online. But I think to your point, is making the separation of um, there's the state right and how they operate in this type of information that they're doing their job, and on the other hand, us internally, we're contributing to the confusion with so much oversaturation of information of, of talking here. Like all of us paying with a book, I mean, their folks are reading, but. Why are you trying to present this? this, this what is your goal? What is right. your
2: objective? What is, what is the conversation about? Right, exactly.
1: They've mastered the height of the And it hasn't challenged us in a systemic way yet, in my opinion, to sharpen our analysis based on the contradictions that we are facing.
2: We don't want to hear it. a lot. Of, a lot of us, uh, unfortunately, and, it, and it, it breaks my heart, is that a lot of us don't want. We don't want the, the raw truth because it, it, it and it brings a lot of responsibility, <laughs> and we ain't ready for that. Uh, and you know, I, I, I try to help you understand that knowing something don't necessarily mean that you have to jump into an organization. That would be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It would be nice <laughs> if we had, you know, many hands make for life work. Uh, but we but can't have.
1: It is painful. Control. It is. It, it can
2: upset. It can upset this rosy concept of the world. This,
0: will, so when did that? Two questions. When did you think that that transition occur of not wanting to know that brutal truth that that will, that, will, that pushed us to respond to what we did? And the second question to, along with that is, when did it occur that we no longer described our struggle as freedom struggle? Now it's like. Right. It's well, a, it, um, it
2: ain't even that. We say liberation, freedom, I'm, I'm, abstract terms. I'm, I'm, yeah. well, then, one, well, they they saying, can mean anything to anybody in that in that sense. Freedom.
1: I think a lot of leaders were fascinating. And that had that had a, a tremendous shift on a kind of a hive mind that was happening amongst our people, where you had the lump thing, you had even some of the bougie, you know, more middle class black people. Who were willing to do stuff like boycott buses or do like more mass struggle type things? And I think seeing, not seeing repercussions of having a Malcolm X murder, having a George Jackson murder, having a Martin Luther King murder, it's a, yeah, uh, it's, it, a, it's um, Sada Shapour, you know, uh, yeah, uh, that has a psychological impact. Um, and you know, a, a lot of folks are fearful yeah, for legitimate reasons. Uh, are fearful of making those types of sacrifices
2: to engage with the
0: so, so, one of your favorite authors, uh, favorite book, uh, iced the Paper*.
2: Uh, <laughs> Not so. <laughs>
0: Not so. <laughs> she talks. She talks a little bit about about that in terms of that internal trauma that was born out of. It. It's
2: always been there. It's always been there. Well, let, let me frame it a different, a slightly different okay. way. Right. One of the things that Amari uh, Obedeli kind of highlighted uh, that helped me you know, saying, find where I wanted to stand, ideologically, you pointed out there was three historically uh, uh, trend or tendencies within our struggle from the beginning to now. They they continue to exist. Those three general tendencies was, there was always some people that wanted to make this country live up to its potential and be integrated as full citizens with unabridged rights and treated equal with everybody here. That that tendency has always been there. I mean, you can go all the way back to you know uh uh Christmas it, you know what right. I'm saying falling uh you know George Washington <laughs> you know falling on the floor um but you also had a tendency and you had you know going back to say people like Paul Koofy you and know who you know they wanted to go back to uh to the motherland they would say, I want to go back home and there was some because we had many generations born here and said we have we, a i want I mean, we want right we culture. want land here yeah. And yeah. not only that, we want we the land that we most we were most instrumental in developing, which was the, uh, historically known as the Black Belt. They said, I want the land where my blood, my sweat, my tears help fertilize the soil. Where well, we buried for 246 years, continually uh, ancestors during that period of colonial bondage. That's another one of those nomenclature terms that I would use to refer to slavery. I call it colonial bondage because we are born as a nation, you know, saying in the belly of the beast, and we were born, you know, when Americans, when the English and the Irish and the Germans and the Slavs were becoming Americans from their different ethnicities and being born again in the West on, on this North American continent as Americans, simultaneously side by side with them, we were in the fields in the South from Igbo, Hostel, Alani, on and so on and so forth. We were becoming a new kind of African. We were, you know, we really discovered our uniqueness um, in the halls of a slave. Because when we keep in mind that when we talk about our culture, we didn't all speak the same language. Right. And all those people didn't come from one tribe on those boats. Those people, they was herded into those castles, those dungeons on on the coast. Some of them were coming from different areas. They were little coming in at a time until they got a boat load of them together. And they came, they all brought different cars. They was in them halls of those ships looking around like literally we all in the same boat. And they began to realize. That's when uh Sterling Stuckly talked about how we began to cross those cultural lines and seeing ourselves as one, because we were one. We didn't see ourselves as African prior to that, because we never had this continental view of ourselves. We were, I'm my tribe is my my they were, you know use the modern term we were set tripping you know what I'm saying? I'm a Shanti, you know what I'm saying? And that's what we is. You ain't a Shanti, a Zulu. right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we 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 were set tripping, but that was natural part of the evolution of humanity. People were like that all over the world, so it's nothing unique to Africa. But uh, colonialism tended to halt that period and we got stuck in that phase. Colonialism preserved those divisions because it benefited colonialism to have those divisions. Kept yeah, The chief, the chief, he get, get a few little gifts, a little trinkets and things like that. And they even act like they was paying him respect. But they needed him to keep his tribe in line, and you know, hence we still got a form of uh, modern tribalism on the continent of Africa. You could, you know, we talk about pan-Africanism. We don't even you know, we struggling with the, you know, uh, tribal conflicts in these countries where borders were built by colonial powers. So we really want to say colonial bondage, referring to slavery. That we were a nation that was colonized. You know, enslavement is one way of referring to it colonial bondage speaks directly to the nation formation aspect of it and we have to be clear that we are a nation and we are colonizers we like to use that word that's very popular we are colonized then how do you liberate that nation you decolonize it we ain't talking about decolonizing your mind because if your mind is decolonized you want your body decolonized right and if not then you ain't fully your mind ain't even decolonized
0: your mind your mind it ain't happened yet it ain't happened yet
2: it ain't happened yet some of us don't aspire that far and i like to say that uh if your inspiration if the history don't inspire you to aspire more then what is it what is the benefit of it To feel good
1: but something that something that we have and i oh i love this and i think we in another show we got to dig a lot deeper into what you said about like we're all in the same boat like literally like looking around and saying like we're literally in the same boat and why there is the resistance to considering us all a monolith right and like what what contradictions are heightened when there's that resistance from some of us and then those are class differences yeah yeah so so i think a, a deepening on that um is is Going
2: to be long overdue. So um, I say, Jet Magazine, yeah. Ebony Magazine, they began to highlight uh the well, finest, the best, become. the finest, the finest Negroes. Right. You know what I'm saying? The, black, the, 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 black the, Negro, the
0: the black aesthetics.
2: You know what I'm saying? They they began to shape this, and you know it didn't start with them. They were building with the talented. But they right, right, and they were building on that. And we wanted to see what you call representation. Mm-hmm. So we we ate it up. We, we wanted, wanted to see, see some of us make it. Yes, right. it was it was inspiring it, it, it had it played an inspirational role, but it was still class based and, and directed, class rooted and it began to also create individualism
0: right, among directed, us. It directed um us into a simulation. So it's been today been a great show. Phenomenal. Um any any things you guys wanna share? I know no today was getting organic. We talked about, covered a lot, man. So,
2: uh, we so. got Black Liberation Mondays returning again this Monday.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Over
2: at Mama Cool Community House,
0: Uh starting at seven. Um, I'll be the host. Film we will we we will be watching is spooky Set by the Door. Our our ultimate goal is to have Black Liberation Monday run from nine a.m. to nine p.m. Just a a, a dope opportunity for for Black folks to just come and just experience experience ourselves. So it's kind of what we're doing here a lot of pop-up events um we're still working out the king season, so so just bear with us um getting some other folks involved but you no know, that's our vision we're just kind of having that um series running throughout and until we, we don't want to do it no more that's uh, right. just just in general man, just anything closing how you felt uh, anything you uh, missed uh that you wanted to say you didn't say i know we, we no we it's, a, it's
2: a whole lot i mean we touched on so <laughs> yeah, much that yeah. we didn't expand on but it's it's a good thing because uh you know, maybe some of the audience, you know, you know, hit, hit hit them comments and let us know. What about such and such? Y'all say y'all's gonna get back on that, and uh, you know, bring that. Yeah, bring I that.
1: say that too. I love to see what the feedback is, and uh maybe in some future shows we can even engage with the audience uh, more. But I think that um, like, give us comments. What do y'all want to see us talk about? What do y'all want to see us dig into? And um, push and, yeah, back I against this it. was good. Push yes, back. yes. Yes.
0: So I mean, when people talk about uh, like power to the people or people show, we definitely want to be that. So uh, you have the opportunity to help us shape what this is about. Um, none of us has no desire to be a talking head. Uh, we have some ideas, but again, our ideas are rooted in people. Our ideas are root, are, are liberated, uh, centered. So that's why we you know we can uh, humbly you know, ask that and, and, and mean that at the bottom from the bottom of my heart.
1: Right. Because when we stop learning, we're no longer here.
0: That's right. With that,
2: thank you for tuning in to uh, Rebuild the Wind Voices from the Grassroots. First episode Detroit is different. You know, this is the platform, y'all. Yeah.
0: Check us out Rebuild the Wind. Detroit is absolutely
2: different. That was fun. It was.